Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show number 142, which will be released on October 26, 2016. My name is Steve Eunice, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, hello, Steve, and hello, everyone who's watching. We're just doing our podcast. We've done how many of these uh, now, Steve? Uh, we're on number 142, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we should say at the top that we are proudly sponsored by our good friend, Patrick O'Neill. Now, as Scotty says uh, to those watching as well as listening, uh, we try to do a, a live broadcast of the uh, first part of this podcast on younow.com. That's Y-O-U-N-O-W.com, just for something different. So uh, we might uh, add that link to the podcast as well so people can check it out uh, after the fact. But uh, we, as always, we discuss many, many topics here on the Superman homepage. We usually start with movie news. So uh, we'll start with what's happening with the upcoming Justice League movie. As we know, it's rele- it will be released in November 2017. Um, we start off with the knowledge that there was some movement in Yorkville, Illinois, which was the on-set location for the Kent Farmhouse. Now, we uh, now know that the Kent Farmhouse, there was some movement there. But what has happened was that they knocked down the farmhouse, which was purposely built for the film uh, on a location where there was a farm and some some other stuff there, but they built a farmhouse specifically for the movie, and that has now since been knocked down. So we don't know yet is, if that's for the film, like, as in the, the the building gets destroyed during the movie, or whether or not that's because they don't they no longer need it, and so the 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 lease or whatever has run out, and they've decided to knock it down. You know, we sort of had the Kent house get kind of demolished in man of steel and then we had no particular explanation as to why it was standing again and everything seemed to be fine in batman v superman so i guess we can kind of ascertain that during the time period between the two movies either clark rebuilt it or they had it rebuilt so now uh, is it really time to see the kent homestead be destroyed again or, as you say, is this just uh, being taken down because they're finished with it for filming? Um, it'll be interesting to see in the movie. Every time we see little things like this, you know, all kinds of rumors run rampant and we hope things or we are looking forward to possibly seeing things or what reason would it have for being destroyed in the movie. And, and we'll have to see what happens as we move forward. But I always like to see uh, movement on a movie that we're all looking forward to. And, of course, this being the Superman homepage we're we're excited about Wonder Woman, but we're more excited about movies like Justice League because Superman will be in them. And uh, we know that Superman will be in it because uh, Zack Snyder has released a behind-the-scenes Justice League video where we do get to see uh, Superman. He's in the—I guess he's in his normal blue and red suit, uh, sans cape, and he's— uh, you know, laughing and talking, and they seem to be uh, getting instructions and doing certain things for the filming, while at the same time there also seems to be a lot of gags going on. And then someone also told me that they saw a shirtless Superman uh, at another point in this behind-the-scenes video. Yeah, that's right. Uh, To um, celebrate the wrap-up of filming for Justice League in both London and Iceland, where they uh, went to for a little bit after they finished filming in London, 
they uh, Zack Snyder did release a video um, with behind a lot of behind the scenes footage from the filming of the movie. Uh, as you say, there's a lot of Batman, a lot of Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, Cyborg, The Flash are all, you know, fairly prominent. But uh, we do see two quick snippets of Henry Cavill. One in the Superman costume where he's doing a bit of like a, a wiggles thing with the pointing of his fingers. Um, and uh, another one where he's uh, just uh, shirtless. I think in the background behind him is, is a Ezra Miller or um, Cyborg, but um, yeah, we do see him twice in that video, and it's pretty cool just to seeing. You know, there's an the elevator scene where the uh, the actors are all coming down in the in their suits. You know, the Justice League Superman isn't in that particular scene, and so because there is so very little Superman, I guess we speculate as to just how much Superman will be in the movie in total. Uh, there is some rumor and speculation out there that he will only be uh, in the last third of the movie uh, uh, obviously we need to get him to return from the dead before any of that can happen yeah it's a little it was disheartening when I saw this video and I, I made a, a bit of a comment that of course lots of people had to contradict me no 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 he's in the video we've seen him several times and uh, I, when I said he's barely present what I mean is he's barely present uh, the idea that you see Batman countless times. You see Wonder Woman countless times. You see uh, Aquaman. You see The Flash. Uh, actually, you know, all of their actor personas, the people who are playing them, are seen many times throughout because it's a behind-the-scenes video. And then twice, quickly, very quickly, two snippets, at least on my notice, uh, you, you, see, uh, you see Henry Cavill as Superman twice uh, go by and, and, and pretty much be gone in the blink of an eye. So... When you see that sort of a thing, you are, at least for me, you are kind of concerned that Superman's not going to be in the movie. And, of course, we did read some – I don't know if they're rumors or if they've been substantiated or if it's official now that uh, Superman will have a very uh, important role but very minor to where he shows up, as you say, toward the uh, last third of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh... – We'll just have to wait and see, I guess. it's uh, Not much is known, and we're still... Uh, here we are just at the end of October. We're still a year away from the release of Justice League. So uh, if they have finished wrapping the filming uh, in completely, we know they finished wrapping in London and Iceland, and I haven't heard of them uh, filming anywhere else, so I guess that might be the, the wrap on the production side of things completely. Uh, they now move into post-production, where they will be doing all the special effects and the editing and the, the music scoring and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot, a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and the, uh, the release of the film in November 2017. So we look forward to you know, any more details that they can release uh, for that. But um, I did get a bit of a scoop myself for this movie, which I was uh, quite uh, happy about and, uh, and surprised, actually. Uh, I did attended a, a screening of the of the movie Superman 2 here in Australia. Uh, there was uh, a special screening at the Hayden Orpheum Theatre, and uh, Mark McClure and Sarah Douglas, Mark McClure who obviously played Jimmy Olsen in those Christopher Reeve Superman films, and Sarah Douglas who played Ursa, the female Kryptonian villain, uh, were both in attendance for a Q and A and the screening of that film. And during the Q&A, I um, managed to get a question to Mark and Sarah, asking them if either of them had been asked or approached 
to be in any upcoming Superman films or indeed the current Supergirl TV series. And uh, Mark McClure um, revealed that not only does he have a recurring role in that, that upcoming uh, TV series called Powerless, where it's uh, about an um, insurance agency that you know, exists within the DC universe and has to deal with all the destruction and, uh, and I guess, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, um, legal problems that happen with superheroes fighting within a real world. It's supposed to be a comedy um, that uh, he also revealed that he will be in a film to be released at the end of 2017. Hint, hint. Which everybody started clapping and applauding in the audience because they obviously knew that he was discussing or referencing the upcoming Justice League movie. So uh, the idea of cameo appearances of actors from past iterations of the Superman world uh, appearing in newer versions continues with Mark McClure uh, supposedly having a cameo role, I guess, in Justice League. Well, this is very exciting uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, obviously, Mark McClure has been a big part of the Superman in alternate forms of media, being uh, Jimmy Olsen and being on the Smallville show and and uh, moving forward. Now, uh, you know, he was in the Supergirl movie. Uh, the thought behind these... A lot of times these Zack Snyder movies and the presentations of these movies much darker, much more serious, much more realistic, much more gritty. Uh, the, the idea that a lot of people don't like them because they're not as happy or they're not as smiley or they're not as uplifting. And then the thought that uh, it didn't seem like they wanted to be at all connected with things that had come before. In other words, people have asked many times, you know, why write a whole new score, a whole new score that couldn't possibly live up to the John Williams score? Why not have connections? Why not have the Crystal Fortress? Why not have the Crystal Shards that uh, run the computer system and, and give Superman all the information? Why not have Otis and, and Goofy Lex Luthor? And why not kind of connect all of the things and why not continue it? And the thought, I believe, was at the beginning, we want to be our own thing. We're, we're a Superman for a new generation. We're a modern Superman. And, and we, don't, we don't want to uh, measure up or be compared to or try and top those. We just want to be new in our, in our own thing. Those are classics. People love them. Uh, but uh, this kind of being a surprise that uh, someone connected to, you know, they do it on TV a lot. They did it many times in Smallville. You see these crossovers. Uh, with uh, Linda Carter playing the president on tonight's episode of Supergirl. Uh, they do this with other uh, DC shows and movies, actors coming in and, and being in new shows and movies. And it's kind of neat to see that, uh, you know, there's been all this talk about moving forward. They're going to make these movies lighter and happier and more positive and more fun. Uh, starting with Suicide Squad, I guess. That's a little disturbing, but um, perhaps this is another move in that direction to try and, um, I don't know, show the tongue-in-cheek side or the lighter side, you know, Stan Lee appearing in all the Marvel movies and all the Marvel projects. Uh, not that Mark McClure is going to be Stan Lee in, in, in the DC world, but the idea that he's going to appear uh, likely in Justice League, it sounds like, is, is I think, a step closer to the middle, maybe, that maybe people weren't expecting. Yeah, so uh, that's... Uh, we'll wait and see what happens there with Mark McClure and his role in the upcoming Justice League movie. Uh, but uh, that's where things are at with the Justice League film, so that's pretty cool. 
Um, we don't know much more at this stage. We'll just have to wait and see as uh, the months go by, uh, as we get more information and more uh, probably behind-the-scenes stuff from Zack Snyder in relation to the Justice League movie. So, uh, well, let's move on to TV talk. And uh, this past month, we have seen, uh, well, to date, three episodes of the Supergirl TV series. Uh, as you say, the we're recording this on the uh, Monday night there for the US, uh, where Supergirl episode three of season two, Welcome to Earth, has aired. Uh, neither you or I have, have been able to sit and watch that at this point of the uh, recording this podcast. But uh, we did see two episodes for the premiere, a two-part episode, if you like, for the premiere of season two on the CW now for Supergirl. And we saw Superman starring hey. Tyler Hoechlin as the Man of Steel, or sorry, Tyler Hecklin as the Man of Steel. Um, first off, we had our thoughts on the costume and well, what we thought of Tyler Hecklin and some of the things he'd been saying and the interviews and what have you. But now that we, you've seen him in action in those two episodes for the Supergirl TV series, what's your opinion of, of the man in the costume? Well, here's the thing, and, and this might come as a surprise to many people because I have kind of been, I wouldn't say one of his detractors, but uh, as you say, some of the things that were said, some of the uh, suppositions made by other people about the things that they have seen, you know, before we saw him in action, there was a lot of shots of him just smiling, just happy, just running down an alley with a big goofy grin on his face. And some of those appeared in the show. Others seem to have been shots of him backstage uh, or, or, you know, uh, behind the scenes uh, having fun. And as an actor, as someone who has been granted the, uh, to me, honorable and ex- extremely um, uh, legendary uh, role of Superman, should be happy, should be running around uh, feeling like he's on top of the world, feeling like a million bucks. So I'm glad to see and to hear Tyler Hecklin uh, happy to have the role, happy to be a part of it. Uh, far too often you you hear people talk about how they don't want to be connected to a character they've played or that was just one thing they did and they really want to be remembered for other things. Obviously, he is only doing this right now, so we don't know what he's going to feel like if 20 years from now people ask him how it felt to play Superman. A lot of times that's when the actors kind of get a little bitter or say, what, what, how come I only have to be remembered for an action movie I did or a superhero or whatever. But at this time, he clearly seems happy in the role. He seems uh, pleased with uh, himself back, you know, as I say, behind the scenes in those shots. We see shots of him in from the show. Uh, definitely a lot brighter of a show, a lot lighter of a show. And I don't plan to rhyme every phrase I'm going to put together, but I do think that, um, it's a much different feel. And so what's happening and what gets me is not that whether Tyler Hecklin was good or not. I think he is, uh, and was very good in what they gave him. I like the second episode much more than the first. The first fell a little flat for me. I think maybe that's because there was a lot of waiting for it there was a lot of anticipation there was a lot of what's it going to be like and then when it comes it's kind of like oh okay uh but i also thought they tried really hard in that first episode to kind of make it uh very much a callback to the donner films whereas in the second episode a lot of those jokes weren't there they didn't do a lot of those callbacks and they really yeah 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 and they really concentrated more i thought on the story and the dynamic between the two characters uh, Kara and Superman, and so I liked it much better. 
And I also, while it's cute, the winks and the cheesy smiles, for me, don't really work. And I, I think why is because, you know, they're dealing with life and death. They're dealing with explosions. They're dealing with the possible death of people um, and maiming of people. So I don't know that, you know, when I'm in a fire and I need someone to rescue me, I don't know that I want them coming in. Hey, I'm here. And like winking and and making jokes and screaming for Miss Tessmacher and things like that. So that's why I think I was really pleased when Man of Steel came along. And for me, it was the first serious take of Superman that you could really take seriously. A guy who was a tough uh, hero who did what needed to be done, but also was taking on some weighty issues. And on Supergirl, the weighty issues kind of come up, but they go away just as quickly for a goofy joke or a cat coming in and being snarky with people or a snapper car being an old bald guy who was yelling at everyone or whatever. And uh, that makes it a lot more fun and maybe a lot more suitable for families to watch with their kids. Uh, here we have the uh, little armored suit that Wynn puts, puts together. And the other thing they don't do in the show is really explain how anything happens. Uh, Wynn had a few minutes and he put together a magical suit that uh, by only being over the S-shield somehow protects Superman and Supergirl from kryptonite radiation, which uh, didn't really seem to hurt them anyway until he uh, beam he shot them with a beam uh, in the Metallo episode where I'm going I'm watching it I'm going when he exposes it and they're two two feet from him shouldn't they be weak already uh, but that didn't seem to be a problem so uh, it seems like somehow their weakness emanates through the S shield on their chest so now that Wynn made this little plastic shield for them they can uh, they can fight Metallo without being affected by the kryptonite uh, so yeah, cool I'm free feet. <laughs> anything, wherever. Uh, and also, if the emanation from the kryptonite is what hurts you, mm. that's going to hit you anyway. Uh, but uh, that didn't seem to be a problem even before they put that on. So I guess they were kind of going for something different mm. there. And they don't take – they don't you – know, because they don't take it too seriously and a lot of people like that, they don't really care to explain how Wynn could make this or where it came from or where he got the idea from or why suddenly they know how to shield people from kryptonite. Uh, they just do it. And a lot of people I have heard say, you know, I really get a comic book vibe because in comics they don't really explain anything. Things just happen and you just accept them because it's a fantasy world and it's about comics. I don't feel that that is always the case in comics. It may have been in the Silver Age. You know, uh, people could float upside down for a whole – book or whatever and no one would ever say why or it just happened you know uh, but i don't think they do that in the modern age as much anymore but it seems like a lot of fans do like the idea of it just being fantasy filled and fun and anything can happen and we don't really need to explain it you know i enjoyed the first two episodes and i enjoyed tyler hecklin's performance as superman i thought it uh, fit you know exactly where it needs to fit within the show um you know within the context of the show within the vibe and and um uh the overall tone of the of the show, I think he and uh, Melissa Benoist really had great great chemistry with each other. Uh, seemed to have a lot of fun uh, being around each other. I liked the way that Superman was approachable, uh, was down to earth, but still was revered by other people when he came into a room or when he landed in the DEO. You know, everybody was like, "Oh, it's Superman," kind of thing. But he didn't he didn't lap that up. It was just like you know, he went around and talked to him and said hello to him and. It was, uh, you know, very personable. So I enjoyed that performance. I liked his Clark Kent. I thought his Clark Kent was great. Didn't play up the whole bumbling, stumbling thing too much. You know, he's got a, you know, uh, some of that is there, but it's not 
as, um, I guess, prominent or as down your throat, in your face as maybe the Christopher Reeve version was. Uh, he was also had a very, I think, a lot of the uh, George Reeves type of uh, feel to his Clark Kent, especially when he's doing the reporting, you know, asking questions and asking the tough questions. So he was confident, and uh, I, I enjoyed that. And um, I thought it uh, Tyler did a great role, a great uh, job with the role, and I'd like to see him return in some capacity uh, further down the, 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 this second season. Yes, it's Supergirl's show, so we need to allow her to be the star of her show, but I enjoyed the fact that uh, he was able to come on and uh, be a part of it and stuck around for a while. We saw the Daily Planet. We heard from Perry White, heard from Lois Lane. Uh, you know, we, uh, we got a lot of different little... Uh, snippets in there from uh, you know the the Superman lore that I thought were injected really nicely. Now, Mike Breen in our chat room, and I should mention to the people listening on Wednesday that uh, we're doing a little test on you now. That's you now dot com. It's a uh, video live video channel where the two of us are side by side and people can see us and we're recording as we uh, speak to whoever comes in and is watching and and Mike just mentioned Superman confidence as you do and that he just goes right at everybody and he doesn't seem to be uncomfortable or unsure or not ready at any point and I think it's fair uh, since everyone likes to make the comparison and, and, and a lot of the memes I'm seeing and a lot of the remarks I get are that uh, finally we're getting the Superman we deserve, the Superman we wanted uh, two episodes that something Cavill couldn't do in two movies and, and I don't really think it's Cavill versus Hecklin in terms of who did it better because they were the actor that did it better but more so that some people like the writing of one better than another and I think also it's worth noting that the Superman in this series has been said many times, has been in operation for well over 12 years. And so he should be confident and he should yeah. really know what his place is on Earth. And people should feel that way toward him in a room. Whereas in the in the Snyder universe, we're, we're getting a situation where people are still afraid. and People still don't know what to expect and people still don't understand exactly what is going on. And obviously on the Supergirl show, nothing has really had great impact that has happened. They, it's a one-off and the episode's over. And in, and in that series, things that, are, things that happen in each movie are carrying over. So the characters in those movies then develop certain attitudes and certain feelings toward those events that have happened. Whereas on TV, especially episodic superhero shows, uh, you'll notice Lana in the in the, in the uh, Smallville series get thrown against a wall and have a big giant gash in her head. And, and the very next week, uh, no one remembers the psychological as well as physical trauma that Lana goes through every minute. And, and uh, you know, they go in comas and they're knocked unconscious and they have, you know, uh, over and over again, all these horrible injuries and they are still the same person in the next episode and everything is fine. Uh, TV often works that way unless you're on a really serious uh, extremely um, painstakingly written, drawn-out show like Breaking Bad or something where they're taking it very seriously and they think out these plots from beginning to end and they know where it's going over five years with a Supergirl show, an Arrow, that kind of thing. Usually it's it's one episode and it, it, things wrap up and everybody's fine in the next episode unless it's a two-parter where it continues. So it's a different medium and so you're going to get a different feel. And to their credit, they wanted to go for uh, goofier, smilier, campier, happier Superman because uh, so many people were displeased with the way it was going on movie screens. So it makes sense from a business standpoint. 
to have both sides. You've got some people who don't like one or the other, so they can go to the other. And then you've got people who kind of like both or whatever. And then you've got people who uh, don't really won't watch one of them. And so you have the other as an option. Yeah, no, agreed. So uh, as we said, the third episode uh, involved Linda Carter as uh, the president of the United States. Neither Very of you, cool. yeah, the two of us haven't been able to see watch that episode yet but uh it's great to see them bringing in another uh you know superhero cast member from a different tv show and repurposing them and it's just great to see that kind of stuff and in this episode an attack is made on the president and as hot button alien versus human rights issues heat up in national city uh, supergirl and the deo are assigned to protect the president and bring the responsible party to justice uh, Alex uh, teams up with Detective Maggie Sawyer, another character from the comics, to investigate the case while Kara searches for a recently escaped Monel, who she fears may be the alien behind the assault. So great to see all these characters in season two coming to the fore. Maggie Sawyer, Monel, uh, you know, it's just great to we've got Lena Luthor. So uh, great to see them bringing other characters into this world of of the world of Supergirl, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Linda Carter's performance as the president and. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's just great to see her back on our screens. I love it. I was so happy when I heard that she was being cast. And again, she was she was another one who uh, appeared on Smallville and uh, has been in and out of different DC projects over the years. Uh, you know, people were kind of um, picketing or championing her, championing her to be in the Wonder Woman movie. It looks like she isn't, but who knows what surprises might lay down the road. It's, it's, this was a surprise when this came up. So I'm sure there will be more and, uh, hopefully she'll make like Tyler Hecklin, uh, hopefully she'll make some other appearances throughout the season or in future seasons. Yeah. Then we move on to episode four, which will air on Monday, October 31st. And, uh, that episode is called survivors. And the description for that episode reads, When Kara and Alex investigate the murder of an, an unregistered alien, the trail leads to an alien fight club run by Roulette, the ringmaster who commands aliens to fight in Mortal Kombat for the entertainment of rich humans. While trying to stop the fighting, Supergirl and Martian Manhunter find themselves up against a surprising opponent. Meanwhile, Hank is thrilled to have found another Martian and tries to get to know Magan better. Supergirl takes Monel under her wing and begins to train him. Nice. Nice. She's suddenly training. Uh, and I know we're in season two, but um, she was kind of um, iffy herself uh, not too long ago. Yeah. No. Well, uh, again, McGann's another character that's being brought in, uh, Miss Martian. And uh, yeah, I think this year, season two for Supergirl, season one was all about her trying to find her feet as Supergirl, where season two seems to be all about her trying to feed her fo- find her feet as Kara. She's kind of got the whole Supergirl thing down pat. She knows where she stands. She knows who she is. She's working at the, with the DEO. Everything seems to be falling in line there. But her life as Kara um, is not, no, not necessarily falling into place. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of turmoil there. She's uh, changed her job. She's no longer working under Cat Grant. She's now with Snapper Carr as an investigative reporter. She's, uh, you know, her relationship with James has, has, has ended and they just decided to be friends. Uh, so there seems to be a lot there that uh, is going on with her Cara uh, personality. But as Supergirl, yeah, she seems to be more confident and is able now to, to take someone like Monel under her wing and, and try to train him. That seems kind of fitting. 
Hey, you mentioned two characters that um, I, I couldn't really understand. The the uh, there's there's kind of an outrage that Snapper Carr, this minor character from some cartoons, um, was brought in as this this older, balding, gruff kind of. Um, almost Perry White type of guy is the comparison I've been hearing, and and Snapper Carr has always been this young guy with flared up hair who's kind of got an attitude, but is but is brave in his own right, and but uh, a very different kind of a character that they're using as Snapper Carr on the Supergirl show, and yet uh, I didn't really hear any outrage or or any confusion when uh, Macad Brooks was cast as uh, Jimmy Olsen, who is normally this sheepish skinny redhead with freckles and we've got model-esque kind of more impressive than superman uh james olsen and Macad brooks and to me it's exactly the same thing but for some reason the the and, and jimmy a much more well-known important character whereas snapper's a one-off that maybe people have heard of and maybe people haven't and for some reason i've seen so many people saying oh since when is he bald since when is he old since when is he mean since this that that and I just keep saying, well, I guess since Jimmy became this model who is uh, more impressive to look at than Superman is. Uh, but for some reason, it doesn't, that doesn't seem to translate uh, the same way to other people. No, I do remember there being a bit of an up, uh, uproar about uh, uh, McCard Brooks being cast as uh, James Olsen or Jimmy Olsen. You know, the skin color, the, uh, the height, the, the, the look, the whole thing was uh, an issue. And I think the same thing was with... Um, Perry White in, in Man of Steel. Um, so uh, even Lois Lane in Man of Steel. You know, Lois doesn't have her oh, yeah. hair. And, yeah, yeah. So remember, there's, it doesn't matter what they do. They're always changing things and they're always upgrading things and making changes and people have a bit of a problem because it doesn't actually, the person didn't step out of a comic book page. But um, look, you, you know, Snapper Car in Supergirl isn't the Snapper Car from the comic books or from any other version that you've seen before. It may be going to be Snapper Car in name alone. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it is what it is, and I don't think there will be too many people who watch Supergirl at the moment who would even know that Snapper Carr was a character from the comic books, so I don't think it's a major problem for people uh, who are fra- fans of the TV series, um, but for those who are comic book diehards, uh, they go, oh, that's not Snapper Carr, he's not supposed to be like that, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it, it is what it is, and uh, I don't think it's a major issue at all. Well, the other thing that's possible is the same same kind of thing. Superman has confidence because he's been in operation for 12 or 15 years. A snapper car could have been the young snapper car with hair uh, 15 years ago when Superman first showed up, and now he's old. Yeah. And they made mention that Superman still looks the same age as uh, Kara or close to the same age and, and the, the, you know saying that Kryptonians age slower, which we've heard before. But it did bring up an interesting thought to me, and I'm sure people have thought of this before, but the idea that uh, that means uh, everybody he's friends with and, of course, Lois, most importantly, will age while he stays. When, uh, when as a uh, guy who stays perpetually 25, do you, do you say, okay, uh, this, this, this woman who I do love and have always loved is now 80 and I'm still 25, what, 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 when does that switch from? And I know you know you can you can make a parallel to Captain America coming to the future in the movie and 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 meeting Peggy who was in her hospital bed at the nursing home or whatever, super old and they still loved each other and then they were still star-crossed lovers that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it does it. I think when you 
when you say that kind of a thing to explain, and I brought this up when Tyler Hecklin was cast, saying, why does he look so young? Shouldn't it be an older guy since he brought Kara when she was 12 or whatever? Uh, and, 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 and people did say, well, Scriptonians age slower, so that'll probably be what it is. I was more hoping that it would be because of the Flashpoint universe, and I was hoping that this would be a different, less, less seasoned Superman, and Kara would get more of what she wanted, and that is to be the, uh, the leader, the one who trains him, the one who protects him, rather than always needing him to save her, which was a sticking point in season one, but they've seemingly completely forgotten about in season two where she's just happy to see him glad to have him around which was never even on her mind before it was more like i don't want anybody around i can do this all by myself and here another opportunity in my opinion where the cw has forgotten their own internal continuity and forgotten the story that they put forth that uh, Kara was uh, bitter toward the idea that superman would ever help her or that she would ever need help from anyone else and that's just been forgotten uh, in favor of the hey, 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 we're together, we're cousins. Oh, it's so great having you here. Let's fist bump. Well, uh, forgetting that whole uh, history. I guess the fact that now, as I said, that she's more comfortable being Supergirl and she's established herself as Supergirl is the point that now she can, you know, she feels comfortable in in, in getting help from other people and getting help from Superman and and having teaming up with her cousin because now she has established herself as Supergirl. She's confident in her role as Supergirl and therefore where before maybe she felt like, no, I need to establish myself. I don't need your help. Let me do what I need to do to become the, the hero that I know I can be. And then once I am established, once I am more confident, yeah, then I can, you know, look at, you know, teaming up with you or coming together with you. So I understand what you're saying and that, yeah, that kind of has, a, a switch has been flicked, which is a bit um, uh, jarring, but uh, I guess... Uh, it fits within the, the realms of, of the TV series personality that Kara has in that she's always upbeat and she's always welcoming and she's always, um, you know, accommodating of everybody. And so um, it, I guess it makes sense in the context of, as I said, she's now confident, she's Supergirl, she's established, she's happy to team up with Martian Manhunter, with her cousin Superman, whoever it might be, because that is settled now. She's now Supergirl and she's confident in that, in that role. Well, that is definitely a possibility, but of course you're 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 making that up yourself because they didn't tell us that. And uh, and you're right, right in the she context is always... of the show. But they have said that in interviews, they have said that season one was all about her establishing herself right, as Supergirl. Right. Season two is about establishing herself as Kara. So I guess I mean her reason for being more ready to accept him and being just so happy he's there, and so much to the point that last episode she thought about moving with him because she didn't want him to leave. And it was so important to her to set up National City and, and have her tr have them trust her and have them know that she could handle it without help. And, and as I say, it's just sort of been swept under the rug. And I get what you're saying, that that could be the reason why she suddenly is ready to accept that. And she is positive all the time and, and accepting of everybody. And and uh, But uh, this was the one area where it seemed like she had a psychological issue that, that was an interesting character beat that added some depth to just 
I'm smiling all the time and happy all the time and positive all the time that they just sort of swept away and in favor of uh, we really want to outdo Snyder and have a very happy, positive family reunion here where everyone's smiling and there's no complaints and there's no issues, uh, which is their mission now. And, and, and that's great. Uh, but I think that there was a missed opportunity there to maybe address those feelings and maybe even have her apologize to both Jimmy uh, not Clark because she didn't bring it up to him. But, uh, you know, she kind of went off on James when he saved her life, essentially, by bringing Superman in. And all mm. that just seems gone now. Yeah. We move on to uh, the official description for Episode 5, Crossfire. And this episode says Supergirl must beat a ruthless new gang who has been armed with dangerous new alien technology. When Cadmus sends a video to the DEO, the team realizes Cadmus is the one staffing the criminals for a secret mission. Meanwhile, Kara gets Monel a job as an intern at CatCo. James makes an important decision, and Lena invites Kara to attend one of her fundraisers. So, uh, I guess uh, the continuation of the whole Monel character thing is growth there. Uh, continuation of Lena Luthor's uh, relationship with Kara. It just sort of seems to be moving along nicely. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's cool, as you were saying before, the way they bring in these other characters. And, and people are, you know, now with Lena in there, people are talking about, let's get Michael Rosenbaum to play Lex yeah. on the show. And uh, what should they do for Lex? And I don't even know that there's a need for there to be Lex on the show. They They have said he's in jail because of his land scheme in California, which, of course uh chops my gears but uh what are you gonna do um the donner is the way everybody you know the way the light and the hope that they want to go to every time and and it just seems like a kind of a cop out every time they say oh well people didn't like what we did let's go back to donner but uh that's what they're doing and um so why would Lex even come on the show? Lex is Superman's arch enemy. Not that he hasn't bothered Batman and Wonder Woman and the entire Justice League, and uh, and not that he couldn't bother Supergirl. But uh, you know she could. And same with Metallo. My uh, my problem with that was that of course Superman's been in operation for ten or twelve or fifteen years or however long it's been. I don't think it's ever been specifically said, uh, but he's seasoned. He's confident. He knows what he's doing. He could never beat Reactron. It took Supergirl all of ten minutes, and he is now being introduced to Metallo only through Supergirl. And again, Metallo is a Superman enemy, and and people have sort of brought this up and complained about this before that they they have to keep taking the Cat Grants and the James Olsons. And the Metallos and the Reactrons and the Bizarros and the Livewires and, and, and the Silver Banshees and introducing them as it's their first time where uh, – and maybe that's a maybe that's a uh, weak point in the comics that Supergirl in all the years she's been around since the uh, late 40s or early 50s, she has not had her own rogues gallery. And they've even taken Cyborg Superman, which had a huge uh, part in in the uh, Superman mythos and 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 uh, was a big part of his death and then the whole Doomsday arc, and now you they use her, they use him as Kara's father, and for some reason he disguises himself as a cyborg version of Superman. It's really it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's it's really inexplicable, uh, but they wanted to again kind of take him over and, and use him for Supergirl, and I, I think that 
could be a weakness just within the comic and the character itself, or it could just be that, again, like reaching back to the Donner franchise is kind of a crutch, that they, they have these characters, and, and rather than try and create others that are just as interesting, they just keep bringing in. And that just, but when you establish the story that Superman's been around for 15 years, what's he been doing? None of his rogues gallery are facing him. They're only appearing against Kara 12 or 15 years later. Yeah, it's uh, it is tough to kind of drive, you know, kind of fit everything together and understand where all these villains are coming from and why they're facing Supergirl instead of Superman. But um, you know, obviously they're borrowing from the DC universe as best they can to fit, you know, the 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 show that they're trying to make. And uh, in doing so, they're creating characters and and new characters uh, or, or retrofitting characters like they're doing with Guardian. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's actually going to be James Olsen. James Olsen is going to become the guardian of National City. Uh, we've seen a photo of the metallic suit that he'll be wearing, the uh, metal suit that supposedly Wynn designs for him. Uh, James, I guess, has kind of become a bit of a fifth wheel in the show with their relationship being resolved. Um, he's doesn't really have much to do anymore. He has taken over the job, Cat's job as the head of Catco, but. With Kara not being there anymore and being, you know, under the the snapper cars um, watch, uh, James has kind of had nothing to do for the first few episodes of this series. So uh, they've created, uh, you know, he's feeling like um, a bit of a sidekick or left out, and so he creates decides to become a vigilante himself and creates this guardian persona. I guess that's where it's going to come from. I don't think we've seen, uh, as far as I haven't seen, a description of the episode where he does that or what the reason is or where it comes from. But this is, again, another issue that stems from casting a uh, such a capable-looking, strong-looking, muscly-looking, powerful-looking, model-looking uh, Jimmy Olsen uh, because he can uh, play a character. Uh, he can be a guy like... Um, like like Diggle is on on Arrow, where right, he can yeah. put on this mask and kind of be Guardian, because uh, you know, and Jimmy Olsen uh, throughout the years, mostly in the Silver Age and when comics were a little goofier, has taken on some Turtle Boy, and he has been some silly superhero type characters in different kind of strange stories or or mixes Pidlick stories or right. things of that nature. But I don't know that he's ever been an actual vigilante. And it's kind of outside the bounds of who you think of of that as that character. And again, this could be chalked up to well, you know, this is a different show. It's it's an alternate universe. It's a, perhaps a parallel universe where people do things differently than the way they do them in the universe you might remember, where where Jimmy would never put on an armor suit and go around fighting crime and and also where it might not feel all that comfortable and where as fans we might say it's really not his place or his need to do that but of course uh, as you say they they probably want to use mccod brooks and and they probably want to use this character james that they created i don't know why they found it necessary to do away with the the romance aspect of it once they made it such i have heard fans complain that jimmy olsen and kara were never romantically linked i i believe there were some stories in some instances where they may have been but once they do that, I think 
it's it's odd to me that they just kind of dismissed it in one episode for no particular reason. She did fight for that through the whole first season, and then suddenly she just didn't want it anymore. Um, and so now, as you say, I guess he's looking for something else to do or maybe something to take his mind off the whole situation, or maybe he just feels there's still a place for him to be able to do something, even though in National City uh, with Supergirl and Superman coming every once in a while and Martian Manhunter being around, it seems like the handling of supervillains is uh, pretty much under control. But, uh, you know, James with a shield and a mask on is is going to get out there to do his part. Yeah, well, I guess he has been the man of action in the comic books with the, the uh, Newsboy Legion and things like that in the past, but nothing like this as you say but uh there's uh there's a lot of threats coming in uh this upcoming season uh across the whole cw superhero shows and they are going to be doing a, a crossover We've, we're thinking of it as a four-way crossover but it'll actually be uh, it won't be within the supergirl episodes but supergirl will be part of it it's a three-way crossover that will see the dominators this uh, advanced alien race who will be invading earth and the uh, three-way crossover will happen part one will be in the flash Part two will be in Arrow, and part three will be in Legends of Tomorrow. But Supergirl will be part of all three episodes. She'll have, uh, I think at the end of one of her episodes, uh, we'll see The Flash uh, come and recruit her to help them out in this uh, invasion that's taking place in the Flaro universe. I think they're calling it the Flash Arrow universe. <laughs> Flaro. Uh, yeah, where uh, the Dominators, as I said, this alien race, advanced uh, technology and everything will be coming to Earth to uh, eradicate all the superheroes or the metahumans that they feel are a threat and uh, will be uh, invading Earth. It's a, The Dominators are a, a race that we have seen in the comic books. The invasion story was a big deal in the, uh, in, I think it was the 1980s, in the comic books. Superman was heavily involved in that. But uh, here we have them coming to the TV universe and as I said, Supergirl will be heavily involved in that three-part crossover that will be taking place, Flash, Arrow, and DC Legends of Tomorrow. It looks like it could be pretty interesting. Uh, if you haven't seen it, they have a, I guess, superhero fight club thing where yeah. you see them all kind of fighting against these drones. I'm not really sure. Uh, unless they somehow depower Kara and, and, and make her more on the level of White Canary, where uh, White Canary is in the same scene fighting these things off with a stick and Supergirl, who <laughs> has super speed, superpowers, lasers that shoot out of her eyes, uh, but cold breath, uh, should be able to take them all out without a woman with a stick's help. Uh, uh, but but she's there fighting one while Black Canary or White Canary fights a couple and, and Arrow's there, you know, fighting a couple and, and the Flash is there who has super speed and could run around and just get rid of them all. It's uh, kind of interesting to to think about how the logistics of that are going to work. And, and that's also, you know, incidentally, the reason why a lot of fans of comic books but not so much of superman have a problem and that is they they say once you put superman into any situation how can it be dire how can there be a problem that both superman and batman can handle where where not only superman is enough and so you i think you have to come up with more creative ways to make it fit and I don't know if putting her in a room with a girl with a stick and saying they both have the same ability level makes sense. No, we don't know what how what her role will be in this crossover and how that will, you know, as you say, that whole dilemma of um, her abilities, um, you know, 
I guess because they have an alien race coming to destroy them, they need an alien of their own to help out. And so that's why she'll be heavily involved. And I guess uh, the abilities or non-abilities of those other characters to be involved and help in any capacity will have to be um, pretty creative writing to, to fit them in and, and have their you know, involvement in whatever capacity they, they can be helpful in such a Which situation. is, of course, why it's only a three-part crossover. And, and you know, people were saying... Uh, that they were disappointed that 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 she's not now in the Flaro universe, as you say, because mm-hmm. I guess then it would be the Flaro girl or F- Flaro su- super Flaro. I don't know what it would be if all three of them were in the sa- same. Because then you got to add you got to add legends. So they went, <laughs> but uh, uh, because then every episode you have to figure out why Tyler Hecklin isn't there helping the Flash and mm-hmm. why Supergirl isn't there every time uh, nuclear missiles are threatening to destroy Star City. Uh, it's, it's it's it is you know and i've had this problem with comic books because it, it and i know superman is busy and i know they're each in their own town and they have important things to do like fight clowns uh, but uh but when the whole world is coming to an end and all of the united states nuclear missiles are being launched on one location in star city it seems to me that all the heroes would be there to stop an event like that mm. Uh, so that's that's why it becomes a problem, and it's yeah. a lot harder to swallow that somehow Batman couldn't get there in time before the Joker killed Robin, but no other super fast hero could get there either. Uh, and that's what you run into when you have a cohesive collective universe yeah. where everybody is supposedly on the same deal. And so I think that's why we have the universes staying separate uh, but they will have a crossover from time to time, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and that'll happen in November, that episode, or those three episodes, so we're looking forward to that. Now, uh, that's all we have for the Supergirl TV series, so uh, the only other TV series that we know of that's coming is this Krypton TV pilot, and there's been a lot more casting for the roles within that pilot episode. Uh, Deadline reported that a little-known actor, Cameron Cuff, has been cast in the lead role of Sejel, uh, so we're looking forward to seeing uh, the photo that I saw of him. He looks like uh, you know a member of the L family, so uh, you know being the, the grandfather, I guess, of uh, Kal El, Sejel will uh, you know need to look somewhat like what you imagine Jor El and Kal El to, to look like to be a you know a, a member of the family. Um, so we're looking forward to, to seeing uh, Cameron Cuff in that particular role. Uh, we also have some other casting, but what do you think of Cuff? Uh, looking at him well again as you say he does look like he fits the part um i thought tyler hecklin did when when they yep. first showed pictures of him and so uh see, having seen hecklin now and, and 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 seeing the version that they're doing i think he fits what they're looking for and and i i think that uh, along the same line cuff uh, seems to be um in line with that as well yeah and we have the other character roles uh valel darren vex primus allura zod kem Nisa Vex and Dev M were all cast as well. They all seem to be mostly British actors, actors, sorry, which um, is interesting, an interesting choice. Uh, I guess uh, it adds to that whole Kryptonian thing where they just have different accents and not necessarily American accents. Possibly. Uh, I know it does seem to be all the rage. I mean, Henry Cavill, uh, British, uh, but doesn't... Um it doesn't speak with the British no. affect. He's has uses an American accent there, and uh, it you know, shows like the Steel, Walking you Dead. Had, uh, uh, you had uh, the, sorry, a Russell Crowe on as Jor-El speaking in an Australian accent in Man of Steel. Yeah, and uh, as I was saying, you know, with the Walking Dead, they're all supposed to be in southern. 
Georgia and, and, and Atlanta, and they all have these hiccified voices. But uh, when you hear them on interviews, they're all British. You know, like <laughs> half the cast are, are British. Wow, so it, it does seem to be, and it happens in movies uh, other than, than Henry Cavill, uh, you know, um, I can't think of one right now, but, but you know, just bringing up Russell Crowe, he played Robin Hood. Um, yeah, well, you've got uh, what's his name playing Wolverine, another Australian actor, uh, Heath. Um, not Heath. Uh, well, Heath Ledger was Australian playing the Joker. You had. Um, is an Andrew Garfield also British? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it happens. It does seem to happen a lot. Hugh I don't Jackman. know if it's because of the Shakespearean training. I don't know if it's because they. Uh, really do feel like they they're better actors or 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 that just seems to be where the crop is coming from these days but but they do they do seem to go that way a lot so they could do the krypton thing with the with the different accents on krypton which mm. like you said in a previous show uh, why wouldn't they have you know we're on a planet and lots of different people have yeah. lots of different colors and accents and everything else so uh, why would krypton be all british people in a chamber telling jor-el that he's crazy uh, it should be all kinds of different people but um so they could be they could speak their native accent or they could come in and and do different accents and uh, i think that'll make it all the more interesting what i'm more concerned about is that it's uh, gonna be on sci-fi if it gets picked up at all yeah well we know that the pilot's been picked up but uh we need to see if the series gets picked up in total so wait and see but uh that's yes. where things are at with the tv shows on at the moment and coming up in the near future so Keep an eye out uh, for more news in the coming weeks and more Supergirl episodes in the coming weeks. All right, let's move into comic book discussions. And uh, we've had a couple of issues of Action Comics be released since we last uh, spoke. And we have Action Comics 964 and Action Comics 965. In 965, which I guess is uh, 64 kind of leads into 965, and that's the Lois Lane back at the planet uh, story. 965, we see Lois, the pre-Flashpoint Lois, heading to the Daily Planet. And everyone there, she's worried about what will happen because the Lois Lane of the this universe, of this current universe, the New 52 Lois, if you like, has been missing. We know that she died as Superwoman, but not everybody, nobody else knows that other than, obviously, um, uh, Lana. Lana Lang. But um, here Lois goes to the Daily Planet. She's got a different haircut. She looks a bit, a little bit older, but everyone just takes her as being Lois. And uh, where have you been? It's great to see you back. You know, you've been missing for a couple of weeks. You know, what's going on? And uh, I guess that makes sense because nobody knows it there. I mean, if, if Scotty V walked into the room and uh, his haircut was different and he looked a bit older, I wouldn't imagine that he was a different Scotty V. I would just imagine that you've, you know, you're a bit tired maybe and you've had your hair cut. Um, you know, I wouldn't imagine that you're somebody other than who you are. So now You uh, might think that if you were part of the DC universe because <laughs> all of these characters have seen all kinds of crazy all things happen. But, and things. but uh, so Certainly in the real world, you'd never go, no. oh, you're an imposter from an alternate universe. Exactly. So uh, she... You know, goes in there and uh, she's taken as being the Lois Lane, and she's looking into Lois's um, uh, you know, personal effects because she's had this dream where Lois has asked, like where she feels like Lois Lane is asking for her help. So she needs to go in and and investigate and find out what's going on. And as she enters Lois's, there's nothing at the Daily Planet, so she goes to Lois's apartment and finds herself confronted by Superwoman, aka Lana Lang. 
and Lana says, "I've been waiting, you know, to see who would uh, who would uh, you know find out or, or chase this chase up, you know, where Lois is, and and uh, is worried that uh, this Lois is trying to replace the other Lois." So we're uh, hanging to see where Action 966 leads us, but uh, I'm really impressed with this focus on Lois Lane at this point in time. Well, this makes a lot more sense than the Superman thing that I've brought up in other episodes, and that is that Batman and Wonder Woman and the other heroes just accept that he's Superman now, and, and the whole story about the other Superman seems to have been forgotten, and no one cares, and Wonder Woman loved him, and it was her great love, and but it doesn't matter anymore, and she's not even upset about it. And But here we have at least one character, because she's the only one who knows, I guess, uh, is is kind of um, a ca- you know annoyed or uh, concerned that this imposter Lois is trying to uh, usurp the place of her uh, friend, mm. and so I like that, and I think that that makes sense in a situation where someone has been replaced, and there are people who know that, uh, especially by someone that you're unsure where they came from, who they really are, or what the deal is with them. Yeah, no, so uh, enjoying the focus on, on Lois Lane and uh, looking forward to seeing how that continues and, and what happens there because uh, it's, uh, it's, an, it's an interesting thing with this. You know, we're all worried or all been wondering how two Lois Lanes are going to fit. We knew that Superman had died, but now that we know Lois has also seemed to have perished, uh, or has she, we wait and see uh, what Lois Lane uh, from pre-Flashpoint will discover about this Lois Lane's uh, life and, and death. Uh, so uh, looking forward to Action Comics 966, as I said, and uh, Michael Bailey is reviewing those for us, so keep an eye on the Superman homepage for those reviews. Then uh, in Superman number 8 and Superman number 9, we have Superman and his son Jonathan headed, well, actually not headed, they have mis- mysteriously been transported to this dinosaur island where they're coming across all kind of manner of dinosaurs and creatures and, and other things, but they also uh, come across a... Um, a uh, soldier from the uh, World War Two era, and uh, I'm just kind of quickly looking up his name. Um, they come across Captain Storm, and uh, he uh, first thinks that they're trying to. Um, oh, it's, they're, they invade his cave where he's been staying and stuff like that. So there's a bit of a confrontation at first, but then he tells them the story of you know him and his his other crew members who were, uh, you know, lost on this dinosaur island in the 1940s and have been, you know, he's, they've, others have perished, but he's since been able to uh, stay alive and, and fight on and live on. And uh, he obviously realises that time has passed uh, excessively outside in the real world where uh, obviously with Superman and, and John and the way they look, uh, you know, he wants to know, did uh, the Allies win? Did they beat the Nazis and all that kind of stuff? But... There's a massive, you know, this whole fight with the creatures and things, and Jonathan's trying to get back this device that he created or that he imagined into life that uh, will be able to transport them back to the real world. And uh, it's a bit of a... It was a tribute to Darwin Cook, and I think that was fantastic. And they've, at the end of this, Superman and Jonathan get back into uh, the real world. Unfortunately, Captain Storm isn't able to cross back with them. But... um, this adventure is really, uh, there's a mystery there that uh, Clark and Jonathan need to uh, discover. And uh, you know, it, was a gr- it was a great kind of side adventure that uh, father and son could have um, that I was really uh, keen on reading. Is it, uh, does it look to you that this Superman book is going to be 
uh, always Superman and Son. That that we're not really going to have a book that focuses on Superman uh, without these adventures with another superpowered individual. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we're kind of hanging in the balance until we get the Super Sons comic book, which has been delayed, uh, which will have this young Jonathan teaming up with, I think it's uh, Damian Wayne from yes. Batman books. We'll get the the whole Super you know Super Sons book coming out, but uh, that is not happening for a few early next year, I believe. So. We may get a few more months with uh, Superman and Jonathan together until Jonathan is more established with his powers and things. But uh, no, I don't see that necessarily being the long-term future of that book. And what about the idea that someone posited to me uh, the last week or so uh, that this is John from the future who who comes and uh, destroys everything and kills everyone? Uh, I hadn't even thought about that one. That's a new one for me. Uh yeah, because in that story and in that possible future, I guess it was Superman's son. His name was John, and he did have superpowers. Um, and and those horrible things happened, uh, but I don't know that they're related. Is what I told the, the, this person who mentioned it, um, because that was I think that was a separate kind of continuity that uh, may or may not exist at this point. Mm, no, interesting one. I hadn't hadn't thought of that, so I, I don't know. We'll have to. That's a interesting uh, speculation there. All right. All right. Well, we move on to Supergirl number two, and uh, this one Supergirl is an interesting book because it seems to be taking a lot of um, not plot points, but ideas from the Supergirl TV series, and that it's 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 inter- it's it's cool in one on one hand, but also a bit derivative on the, on the other hand, and can be a little bit confusing if you're a fan of the TV series, thinking, oh, I'm going to check out the Supergirl comic book, and there's a lot of familiarity there with, you know, the, with the CatCo and with uh, National City and the DEO, but it's a different continuity, a different setup. Uh, with, you know, it's, a, it's a totally different uh, world, really. Uh, but in this second issue, we get Zor-El, who we know is Supergirl's father from Krypton, but he's now the cyborg Superman, which we saw in the New 52 continuity, but here he is trying to once again re-establish himself with uh, Kara, and uh, that's just not happening for her. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, they're at odds with each other, as you'd expect. It's, she's, he's not the, the, the father she remembers, and so um, it's never going to work. Well, you know, and this I said this when they first made it happen in the new 52 and now they've done away with that, but this is a this is a point that they want to keep. And and what and what I said then and I'll say now, it doesn't I I don't really get why he would go with cyborg superman he doesn't even know superman. He doesn't have any connection to superman. He mm. doesn't even know supergirl. He doesn't know uh, that symbol, uh, the way they wear it, he doesn't know the red and blue. He doesn't know who they are or who they would be. You know, Cyborg Superman had such a resonance in his initial appearances and in his continued appearances for the 90s and, and into the 2000s because he was trying to be an imposter and he was trying to make the world believe that he was Superman returned from the dead and that he had been damaged and so he had to repair himself the only way he knew how. This version of Cyborg Super, it's like, why wouldn't he be just Cyborg uh, Zor-El? Or, mm. or, why why is he cyborg. cyborg Superman? Yeah. It just makes no sense. Mm. No, I agree with you. It doesn't really make any sense. It's never really explained. So 
it is a bit of a weird one and uh it still has potential there but it's not necessarily grabbing me the way i thought the supergirl comic book would i was really glad to see a supergirl comic book be re-established in the universe and um i guess we'll kind of you know a bit of a wait and see um pattern there for for the supergirl t uh comic book but as far as superwoman is concerned and this kind of ties back in with the the uh, action comics book um We've got Lana Lang as Superwoman. Uh, Atomic Skull is on the loose, and her and Steel uh, try to stop him. Uh, we've got Lena Luthor exacting revenge or vengeance on her brother Lex uh, for making her a paraplegic. Uh, that's an interesting story there, the whole Lena-Lex thing. Uh, I'm really liking the way that's playing out. But, um, y- y- you know, the uh, Lena supposedly possessed or corrupted by a mother box, and uh, Lana is uh, trying to save the city uh, with uh, unknown damage done to herself. Unknown damage done to herself. Uh, Lena becomes consumed by her mother box, becoming Ultra Woman. So uh, things are really heating up there. But a lot of people are dis, uh, dissatisfied with the Superwoman book because they thought it was Lois Lane becoming Superwoman, as was advertised. That was kind of a bit of a, like a red herring because they didn't want the whole Lois's death Thing to be um, known or leaked or spoiled before it happened, and but I think uh, they've kind of done themselves a little bit of a disservice because it was promoted as being Lois Lane as Superwoman, but instead it's Lana Lang as Superwoman. Yeah, I, in the way the story is played out, it it it's really the 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 only thing it makes the most sense. There is no Lana crossover, no. so Lana can be Superwoman and still be Lana in this universe. Yeah. Uh, whereas there now would be two Loises, and then somehow we would have to justify there being two Loises, and it would have to be explained to the staff and to everybody else in much the same way that the Superman dilemma needed to be, and so. It makes total sense in, in, in the story, but I, too, was disappointed uh, upon reading the first one because Lois lasts you know, a very short amount of time. Yep. Uh, my guess is, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, this is speculation on my part, is that we're going to see sort of an amalgam of Lana and Lois, maybe even in one mind, uh, a la Firestorm, something like that, where uh, because you, you know the other Lois is, is getting these dreams from somewhere – uh, maybe Lois isn't really dead, and uh, and and Lana needs her help finding her or finding out exactly what happened. And so I I almost think that the red herring might end up being part of the overall story, and that is that uh, Lois is Superwoman, but in the embodiment of Lana, and they both need to come together. As I say, like Firestorm, uh, I don't know that that's what they're doing, but mm. that's where I could see this story going. Uh, by way as of these ghostly dreams and voiceovers and and uh, mystery of where she is and what actually happened to her and and that it seems like they're hinting toward the idea that she didn't actually perish the way that it seemed like she did. Hmm. Interesting. So we'll have to see where Superwoman goes in future chapters. All right. Well, that's all we have time for. In far as the the, the well, all we have really listed to talk about for uh, our topics, so let's move into the big questions segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, which new character are you looking forward to seeing in season two of Supergirl and why? 
Billy Hogan wrote in, I'm looking forward to seeing Mon-El the most because I'm hoping the Legion of Superheroes will appear on the show as well as the return to the DC comic book universe. Maggie Sawyer and Miss Martian are the other two characters I'm looking forward to seeing on the show. Well, thanks, Billy. Got some good list of characters there. Gal Savage Jr. wrote in. He says, Mon-El for sure. I'm a huge uh, Legion of Superheroes fan. If Mon-El comes to Earth, maybe Supergirl could follow him to his time and meet Brainiac 5. The fact that Supergirl had a relationship with Brainiac 5 and some Legion storylines would make a great storyline for the show. Maybe she could meet Booster Gold there too. Rock on. Seems like a Legion of Superheroes is a uh, running theme. Yeah. I personally, I- I'm torn for it. I mean, I love that cartoon when it was on. I read the Supergirl arc in the books when she did go to that timeline. And of course, Superman himself was a part of the Legion of Superheroes when he was very young. Mm. Uh, my issue with it is that... It's one of those time travel paradoxes, you know, Superman inspired them to become the Legion of Superheroes, but without the Legion of Superheroes, once the Legion of Superheroes is introduced, then Superman wouldn't have learned to be a hero. So Mm. it's almost like they're saying that the Legion of Superheroes is what made Clark become a hero as opposed to Martha and Jonathan and the fact that he was from Krypton and he had this great tutelage from uh, the Krypton archives and and just had the feeling of what was right and what he needed to do. So I'm always torn on that idea because I like the idea that Superman does what he does because he knows that's what he wants to do and that it's the right thing as opposed to being interfered with by time travelers who uh, take a snotty kid and teach him that he has to be Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, because of that reason, I'm not overall a fan of the Silver Age or a conceit of the Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Donovan Hunter wrote, he's looking forward to seeing Lena Luthor. I'm hoping she's going to be an amazing villain just like her older brother. Thank, thank you, Donovan. Uh, appreciate your input. Christopher Miron wrote in, Hey, guys, I think other than Superman, I'm most looking forward to Linda Carter as the president. I always like to see that people from past comic-related projects are still involved in current TVs or movies. I think it also shows that the current show creators respect the history of the genre. By having Linda Carter as an important character in the show, I think it acknowledges the fact that Wonder Woman paved the way for many other female superheroes, including Supergirl herself. Thanks. Thank you, Christopher. Yes, indeed. Nice uh, Pat... Uh, and then you'll see, you'll probably have seen that by the time you hear this, yes. uh, Linda Carter having been on this week. Patrick O'Neill wrote, outside of Superman, the character I'm most looking forward to seeing is Monel. I felt he was a very interesting character in the comics, and I'm glad the show is diving deep, deeper into the Superman mythology with characters like this. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Patrick, and thank you for your continued sponsorship and support. All right. Well, what is our new big question for this month, Scotty? Our new big question is, what did you think of Tyler Hecklin as Superman? Yes, get involved with the big question segment of our show by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage, Radio KAL page. You'll find that under the favorites menu. And let us know what you think of Tyler Hecklin as Superman. And we'll read out the answers in next month's big question segment. Uh, now it's time for the com- comedy sketch. Uh, I know you've been saying uh, in past month, past months, sometimes it's difficult to find these things, but that the fans demand it, so you painstakingly go about <laughs> searching the world with your fedora and bullwhip to find what gems you can, and, and what you come up with this time? Well, I've got a stand-up comedian known as Ismo, uh, thanks to the Laugh Factory on YouTube. Uh, he's got a little bit of a sketch here about the whole, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman stick. So uh, here he is, Ismo, 
uh, his stand-up comedy about Superman. But my favorite superhero has to be like there's so many superheroes now, all the new ones. But the, my favorite one has to be the first one, Superman. The first one, and I didn't see the new movie, but remember the old, the first move, Superman movie ever. There was always this this uh, this guy when Superman came flying. There was this guy who always was like, uh, "Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Superman." <laughs> So that always happened. <laughs> the guy was like that. So I started to wonder, like, how often the same guy was like, uh, "Is it a bird?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bird. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think that had to happen like way more. Because if you calculate, it's like there's so many more birds <laughs> than there are supermen. <laughs> so every five minutes, the guy is like, oh, and it's it's quite weird. Like, how can the guy not even distinguish between a bird and a plane? <laughs> like, I, I, I've never made that mistake. I think. <laughs> like, is it a bird? Is it a, like? Concentrate a little bit, please. <laughs> They look very different. Is it a kite? Is it a helicopter? Well, how bad is your eyesight? <laughs> I hope that guy never goes hunting. Like, uh, is it a bird? No, no, it's my dog. Don't, don't. <laughs> There you have it. Thanks to Ismo and thanks to Laugh Factory for that uh, funny thing. I love his accent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. All these things that that are you know they're kind of legendary parts of the mythology. You yeah. know, even on Supergirl uh, last week where they had the up, up and away thing. Mm -hmm. uh, a little goofy, but also uh, you remember it from cartoons and it's the thing you grew up with it and. Makes uh, smile. It was something Superman always said, and so it's yeah, it's it's nice to see, and of course being such a huge part of the culture you know it's embedded in people's minds yeah. so somebody like ismo uh, even does a jerry seinfeld these other comedians it's it's a big deal you know exactly. <laughs> so uh, here we go with the super secret soundbite only one thing alive but less than four legs can hear this frequency superman and that's you well last month's sound came from the movie superman 3 uh, the part where superman is drunk So uh, let's hear that sound again. I'll tell you, nobody's ever going to trust that creep again. Well, that was a sound, and uh, we had six people guess it right. Who were they, Scotty? They were Fred Walsh, David Huang, uh, Maury Hilder, David Barantz, Donovan Hunter, and Patrick O'Neill. And I, I think there's a few names in there I have not read before. Yeah, so it's really cool. Congratulations to those six people for guessing it right. Let's see if uh, they and more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new super secret soundbite comes from. Never underestimate the need for a good obituary. Well, if you think you know where that sound comes from, then use the super secret soundbite uh, entry form found at the Radio KL webpage to send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. Spoiler alert, that is, of course, from the sci-fi pilot that has been picked up, Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
All right, time for our Superman song. What do we have this month, Scotty? Well, strangely enough, uh, the song is Superman, and it's by Monty Montgomery from his 2005 album, Architect.
have it. That was the song, and that is our show for another month. Uh, a nice long one this month. So uh, thank you to you, Scotty, for uh, your participation in this show and for suggesting the whole video thing that we did at the beginning of this show. Hopefully uh, it's a, a thing that we'll uh, continue to do or, or it will grow as, a, as an idea. But um, for the listeners out there, look, we're happy to hear your suggestions on this show, what you'd like us to see and do with this show, whether there's a topic you think we need to discuss, a big question you'd like us to ask the fans, a song you'd like to request, or a comedy sketch that you've seen. Anything along those lines you can want to participate in, in suggestions for the show, then you can do that by using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage website, or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com. You can email Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we'll be happy to hear your ideas. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And if you uh, didn't see the little video portion of the beginning of this episode, check it out. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have it uploaded uh, uh, I, I maybe on the site even and uh, to Facebook, to uh, Twitter. Check it out and uh, let us know what you think of that and maybe what we can do to, uh, to improve that or come up with other ideas. But for now, remember, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and our proud sponsor, Patrick O'Neill.